Hi, and welcome to What's Your Next Move, Aging on Your Own Terms. I'm Addie Sini, and this is my mom, Lisa Sini. Yeah, and today we're going to talk a little bit about some design strategies that will help reduce stress and confusion for seniors and also promote freedom and independence. Um, and my mom is going to delve into these four, you know, really unique design strategies called the love method. If the thought of getting older stops you from living your best life, this is your ultimate guide in moving from fear to freedom. We know technology can allow you to age where and how you want with a higher quality of life. And we will teach and share with you what you should use and when. If you are aging or caring for someone who is, we're here to teach you the ins and outs of aging in place. Every episode is a personal guide to all the technology, design tips, and creative solutions you'll need to live your life to the fullest. Get ready to discover what is available and determine the resources that will best work for you. Move from fear to freedom starting today. Let's dive in. Yeah, so um, I think this all started when grandma moved in with us, your great grandma, and we were struggling. She had Alzheimer's and uh, she was getting a little bit agitated. And so I realized that I needed to develop something that was fairly simple um, to think through um, because it was frustrating for everybody. You know, she was getting walking into dead ends. She was had uh, sundowners, which is a thing. She was kind of holding my mom and dad hostage, um, wanting them to be with her 24-7. And so we developed this love method to be able to help everyone. Yeah. So what is the love method? Okay. So the love method is I thought about what is the easiest strategies that we could do to help anyone aging in place or anyone living with somebody aging in place. So the first, and if you love them, you want to help them. So the first thing is light. Second thing is optimize. Then we have visual and ease, L-O-V-E. Cool. Nice. And so, you know, I think me, the first thing that I learned when I was young was that my grandparents can't see or hear as well as I can. I learned very early on that I could either say it one time really loud or I could say it five times kind of quietly and then still have to scream at the end of it. So I think that brings us kind of to this just basic understanding that as you age, you have different needs mm -hmm. and uh, your eyes change and your ears change. And um, that creates a space where um, where technology can kind of set in or design can can take that that space. That is. Yeah. Uh, that's fantastic. And if anybody knows my children, because they were raised by a village, they were raised by my mom and my dad and my grandparents, um, they talk really loud, like <laughs> really loud. Yeah. And I will constantly have to tell them, especially if we're in a restaurant or anywhere, like, like bring it down a notch. And they're like, well, that's how I was raised. I had to speak loud and articulate. Yeah. So um, it is natural for them to be able to be uh, kind of speaking in a way that my parents and their great grandparents could hear. Yeah. Um, but it's not for everyone. Yeah. So one of the things is not only can folks not hear as well, which can cause a whole slew of problems and actually increase falls substantially and increase the risk of dementia, mm -hmm. which is super bad. Nobody likes to wear hearing aids, but it's a really good thing to do it because 
Otherwise, your balance is all off and it and screws you, connect, you up. Yeah, connection. You lose connection. Exactly. You start to disengage from environments. Mm-hmm. But also, seniors require about 70% more light than a 20-year-old mm-hmm. so or 25-year-old. It's somewhere in that range. So the lighting that Adelina can see with to read is substantially lower than a senior, which, you know, part of that means that my dad is going to miss a step mm-hmm. and he's going to go slower. And that the moment grandma and grandpa walk in the room, they're flipping on all the lights, super bright and irritating you. Yeah, I remember my <laughs> grandparents are always saying, Addie, don't you need some light? I'm like, I'm really fine without it. I yeah. don't need it. And they're flipping on all the lights all the time. So there's kind of, you know, three practical spaces where you can use the first letter, which is L Mm -hmm. in the love method. Mm -hmm. You can use it for, you know, natural lighting for your circadian rhythm. Mm -hmm. So sundowners, making sure that you're getting sunlight. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, You can also use it as safety, like we just talked about, that your depth perception is off. You just can't see as well. So if it's more well lit, then you can see better. So you'll probably trip less. And then also light blocking. So that ties into the circadian rhythm Mm -hmm. stuff basically keeping the light out yeah. so while you sleep so that you sleep better. So I think that's a, a brilliant point. It's not just about more light. It's about the right light mm-hmm. at the right time. Yeah, right. So the right light at the right time. So some of those things that you need are natural light. We need natural light. We were not made. We were made in a garden. We were not made to live in a box 99% of our time Mm -hmm. without outside light. Our body, scientifically, our body actually reads the light and develops hormones and all different things to keep us active and healthy. It it kicks off our circadian cycle and that allows us to know when it's time to wake up and when it's time to go to bed. And if you've ever heard of SAD, which is seasonal affective uh, disorder, which is basically not getting enough sunshine, mm-hmm. people in Alaska and different places that don't have enough, enough natural light, it's the same thing with, you know, as a senior, you're in the home the whole time. So anytime you can have more natural light, views of nature, biophilic design, um, color corrective light that mimics sunshine, mm. Like you can actually do lights that start off as sunrise, go to full day spectrum, and then go to sundown. Yeah. And those are as simple as like the Philip Hue lights. You can Mm -hmm. set these daily cycles, routines where it will do that for you. And so you can set it and forget it. That's kind of a cool thing about a lot of the lighting features. Yeah. They're even doing them on uh, airplanes to help you wake you up and go to sleep, especially for overseas flights. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And so can you tell us a little bit more about how we can use light for safety? Well, uh, we already talked about it a little bit, but um, part of it is making sure you have enough light. So at staircases, getting in and out of your door, um, at steps, being able to have lights. A lot of people have really low sensor lights, like when they're um, going towards the bathroom, uh, like on the bottom of a wall. I want the light up where someone's going to see it. Mm -hmm. So you vertically orient. Um, Having under cabinet lights, so that when you're cutting things, you know where you're cutting and you can see those things. Um, all those are very, very helpful. Yeah. And then and then our last kind of part of the light section is actually lack of light. 
Yeah. So, so how can we implement that and what's the usefulness of that? So sleep is a big deal and it's a big deal. We now know that when we're sleeping, our brains will actually clean out those plaques. Mm -hmm. So we had no idea before, but our brain is actually cleaned out when we're sleeping. And if we don't sleep properly, our health is terrible. So, um, you know, up until about, I'd say the 40s and 50s, uh, when TV came on, and this is before you were born, Addie, but TV used to go to fuzz around midnight. It would go, and it was just a fuzzy TV. They didn't have all night programming. Now we have it on our screens and our phones. And what that's doing is that's putting blue light, which blue light tells us to wake up Yeah, it replicates what the sunshine does in the morning. That's exactly right. And so we don't want to do that right before we go to bed, especially on our phone or our tablet. It's much better to do a TV at a distance than it is our phone or tablet. Mm. And I know I have a bad habit of, oh, I'm going to bed now. And then all of a sudden I look at my phone really quick and then I'm in it, right? And I shouldn't Mm -hmm. be in it. Um, But it's better to do the TV. But the other thing is I want to share out all the light that's outside. We used to not have... Um, light from the cities or security lights. And now it pours in through our windows. So it Mm -hmm. makes it very difficult to sleep well. So if you can have room darkening blinds, you can have night lights that are amber color that aren't going to keep you awake, but will help you safety wise. If you get up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, those are positive things. That's awesome. So it it actually brings us towards optimize. So that's the second letter, which is O, optimize. And as I understand it, you know, these are a lot of design tips. So I'm learning as I go as well. And it's basically, it's like, does something do two things? Like making instead of, you know, it's like the Swiss army knife is a great example of optimizing. Wow. Yeah. That was really good. Look at that. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I I guess that college education and that master's meant something. Yeah. It helps a little bit, but (laughs) yeah. Yeah. But so for instance, like you just said, the nightlight, it's not only, you know, a safety feature, but it's also um, can, if you have it with amber, then it actually is helping with your circadian rhythm too, kind of indicating to you that it's, you know, it's nighttime. That is exactly right. So on the love method where you have light optimized visual and ease, it's like technology. Very rarely are they siloed. Mm -hmm. It's almost always a crossover. And Adelina and I were discussing this when we were going through and she kept on saying, well, I don't understand what's optimized. How is that different than visual? And I said, well, there's a crossover. Um, It really does. They fade and ease back and forth. You can rarely have one without the other. But like the Swiss Army knife, optimize is one of those things that um, some of the uses would be a heat lamp that is in the shower, but it's also a light and it's a heat lamp because you also lose body fat. Like some of the reason why this jiggles is because you've lost your fat. And so it is harder to hold your temperature. Right. So it's not only important to be able to see when you're in the shower, but it's important to be able to be warm when you get out. So yeah. a heat light is a great example a toilet paper holder that has, you know, also a grab bar in it. And I might have one of those here. I don't know if I should be yeah, looking around. One. Yeah, we have one right over there. Have one right 
I should have. So this is a great example. So this has got little grippers on the back. It goes into the wall. Yeah. So our, our viewers, for our viewers that are just listening, essentially it's a, a grab bar that's a, kind of an arc shape that also has a toilet paper holder on it. That's exactly right. Yeah. And we have a lot of this stuff on Best Living Tech um, so people can find it. But I find, you know, when you optimize, you don't need to have two separate things. Right. You can do it with one. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's kind of like my sonic toothbrush is almost like a water pick and a toothbrush together. Right. Those are really great. Yeah. So anytime you can optimize, you can put a, something together. Alexa and Google is optimized. Yeah. I it's mean, also it's your, ease, but it's it, your, it's your personal assistant. Yep. <laughs> it's your reminder. It's your clock. It's your music. It's your friend. It's your friend. It can tell you the news. It can tell you a joke. Um, it can find your phone. Yeah. And I would say, especially from the Alexa, you know, Google home, whatever version you want or have, if you kind of are hesitant in bringing that into your parents' home or someone who's more elderly because you think, oh, they're not going to understand this or get this. My grandparents and most people that I know that are seniors love their Alexa. Yeah. They love the ease of that. They love that, you know, mumbles out there just asking to play Chris Stapleton a hundred times in a row. <laughs> Well, I think, I think we forget about the technology that a lot of seniors had. So um, when I was growing in and we would go on road trips, they all had CB radios. Mm -hmm. So they're all talking. There were party lines for the phone. If you ever watch the Waltons, you know, everybody could get on. I know my grandma had a party line. So you didn't ever say anything about somebody because somebody else might be listening. Um, it It's... They're used to that type of thing. And I was just told a story by one of my friends. He said that he had um, his parents, I think it was his mother, and he had an Alexa and he had done it so that um, if somebody said the word help, hmm. it would call 911. And um, somebody had fallen, His, I think his mom had fallen, and the caregiver just screamed out, help. She couldn't get to her phone. And Alexa immediately called 911 mm, and wow. saved their life. And, and we were all like, wait a second, how did that happen? And he's like, I just said it so that it would do that. Yeah, that's amazing. So that's pretty amazing. Right? Yeah, that's also, I'd say another example of Optimize could even just be, you know, the Apple Watch, how it can... Um, monitor your heart rate. It can monitor all these things. But also there is a feature on the Apple Watch that you can turn on that if you fall and you don't press the thing that says, oh, I'm okay, mm -hmm. it can call your loved one, your most recent contact or your emergency contact. If they don't answer, it'll go to your most frequently called number. Oh, that's awesome. Um, which in in the case of the example that I was, uh, that I met the person in, that it actually called the company JetBlue because apparently <laughs> the, the grand grandfather was complaining of JetBlue all the time, <laughs> which was funny. I don't know if they could help very much, but well, yeah, there's also uh, Livio hearing aids. Those can monitor your heart rate. Mm. They can translate 27 languages. That's crazy. So if you want to go on a cruise ship, you want to travel around um, to actually be able to translate. Um, and then it actually is a, a communication tool also that says, hey, it'll send you a signal. You haven't been talking to people enough. Mm. 
So that's kind of cool. Yeah, that's cool as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and so um, we have all these different things, like even bidet toilet seats, that, what, which we've talked about before here. Mm-hmm. We have the grab bar and the smart lights and all these different things. Um, but how can we kind of put it into the context or how are we, you know, this is implementing some of that technology we've talked about, but how do we actually design the space to make sense to us? So that brings us to V. Yeah. Visual. Visual. Yeah. So which is probably one of the hardest letters. Yeah. 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 So but it made sense with the love method. So just work with me on that. So (laughs) visual came about because visual cueing is so important, especially if somebody starts to be cognitively impaired. So what is visual cueing? So visual cueing is Basically, um, if you've ever tried to find a restroom and seen a weird restroom sign and you can't figure out where to go and whether it's men's or women's because somebody's being cute, that's right. not yeah. good visual. Okay? Gotcha. Okay. Uh, when you can't find the restroom sign, period, in a restaurant, mm-hmm. that's not good visual. So a visual cue in an you know a designed environment is basically that something that visually tells you what you're supposed to do in that space right and it and it shouldn't be something that you're that's it's kind of like a no-brainer you don't even notice it when it's done well like a handrail that's a contrast color so it's easy to see that's a visual cue for grandma it was laying out her pajamas at bed. That was a visual cue. It was time to settle down, go to bed. And this was the outfit that she needed to put on, which also helped her to have independence. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So um, it could be having artwork that is more fruit oriented or food oriented in the dining room or always eating dinner in your dining room or your breakfast nook. Right. Like, right. Don't confuse the yeah. fact of, well, we're going to eat in the bed now. Now we're going to eat at the TV. Now we're going to eat here. Right. Like, like trying to create some repetition yeah. so that it's easier. Well, well, that makes sense too, because it's not only visual, but it's also, you know, you have state dependent memory. So I learned a lot about this in psychology in high school about um, basically if you're in the same state, so maybe you chew the same gum while you study. Mm-hmm. And then during the test, you chew that gum again. Mm-hmm. And basically that piece of information your brain receives says, oh, I am doing this information again, or I'm doing this activity again. So if you always read in the same chair, it'll make it easier for you to read there. That's an excellent example. So for me, a visual would be walking into the bathroom and the tub is ran and there's candles burning and I might smell some rose petals or something like that, like some scent. Like the that visual for me automatically just says relaxation. It does. It says relaxation to me. And the day is kind of, you know, at its end. Mm -hmm. So I think we all have our own, but helping to figure out what the right ones are um, for someone in design is very helpful. And when you go back and you look at safety, like again, having uh, a handrail that's contrast, having your walls and your floors a different color so you can see the difference in between them. Mm-hmm. Um, having especially that's especially for someone that has problems with depth perception. Let's mm-hmm. say, you know, my grandpa, he has macular degeneration. So his right eye, I believe, 
Uh, no, he's yeah. kind of bad in both. Yeah, so. but <laughs> but uh, it, um, is almost completely blind, so mm-hmm. he really can't see that differentiation. Mm-hmm. And then if you you know add on top of that that the color of the floor and the color of the wall is the same color, he might actually run into the wall, yeah. thinking that that is still part of the floor. Right. right. Another visual would be at the top of the stairs, changing the landing or the bottom stair to a different color. So that you know that's a different area. So you take a pause. Mm -hmm. Um, Changing the color behind the toilet Mm. to a different color. So the toilet's easier. So having cueing in in that kind of space. Yeah. So it's a lot about contrast, but it it, it also helps with cueing. Like, oh, then my brain picks up. There's a toilet there instead of just a white wall. Right. Okay, cool. Yeah. And, you know, that brings us right into making life easier. So the last letter in love, which is light optimize, visualize, and ease. Right. Yeah. Right. And so we're on to the ease part. So what what is ease to you? Okay. So ease to me is uh, learning to drive stick shift versus learning to drive an automatic car. You know, that's ease. Right. Um, it's as simple as that. Like, how can I do things so that my body just automatically does them? Writing with my right hand and I'm right hand dominant versus writing with my left hand. Um when we get older, sometimes we have to constantly be figuring out how to do things that aren't easy. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're trying to make the remote work and it's not working. Right. Um, this morning I was trying to use the microwave and it was not doing what I wanted it to do and I had to clear it. It was not easy. So ease is about how do I just make it like a state of flow um, and give somebody as much autonomy and independence and freedom as possible. Yeah. So I guess you could describe it as designing your space so that when you're going to that activity or when you're going to, you know, perform or walk around or whatever, there's just not all these obstacles Mm -hmm. constantly. And so can you give some examples of how you can kind of implement that in the design of the house? Sure, sure. So one of the first things that we did, and Adelina in uh, the book Hive, which is our family story about this, um, actually drew all the floor plans for me to show. Um, But we busted out some of the house so that there wouldn't be dead-end corridors. My grandmother was forgetting kind of where she was going. Mm -hmm. And if she walked into a room and then couldn't figure out why she was there, she would get frustrated. So our living room had only one entry. And in order to create ease, I created another entry and created more flow in a circular path. Gotcha. Yeah. So she would not get frustrated. She could wonder all she wanted and she wouldn't get trapped. Yeah. So that that would be an example of that. Yeah. And then also, can you explain how you change the stairs? Oh, yeah. So that was another big thing is that down to her suite, we still had stairs. Some people are like, get rid of all the stairs. Um, I get that they can be a problem, um, especially uh, if you have a mobility issue, have a mobility issue. Ex- awesome. You know, you really need to have other alternatives. But I wanted her to do stairs as long as she possibly could because it was a great exercise and it moves the blood flow to the brain. Yeah, which some some Alzheimer's dementia can be blood flow related. Correct, vascular. vascular. Very good. Yeah, very good. (laughs) Um, So what I did was her step 
Um, it was only like five steps or something. It was a real short um, steps, but um, the door was right at the step. So literally she'd be at the top step and have to open the door or she would open the door and have to go down the steps, which seemed very dangerous to me and not easy. Mm-hmm. She could lose her footing. So what we did was we moved the steps back or not the steps back. We moved the door back and created a landing so that she had space. Yeah. To be able to get her bearings. Orient herself that, okay, these are stairs. I'm I, going down these. Not, right. not opening the door and kind of tumbling or opening the door. And maybe you can't, maybe you need to turn on the light first. Exactly. Right? So you know how basement steps are. You open the door and then you could tumble right down. Yeah. So what we did was we had enough room to create a landing. We also put sensor lighting. Mm-hmm. So that she didn't have to fumble around. That's ease. Right. Exactly. The lights automatically come on when you get up. Um, also painted, you know, the handrail, a contrast color. While that is visual, it's also ease. Yeah. And then another example could be, for instance, um, you know, you can put your washer and dryer on a plinth. So having it up a little bit higher. 100%. That little box thing. Sometimes it's nice. You get the yeah. storage too. So things like that as well, which, you know, maybe grandma has a hard time um, doing the laundry right now. Mm-hmm. And that's because she has to bend down. And, you know, we all, none of us are really liking how we have to do laundry at the bend over and no, it's hard and, to get and, everything and out. And to be and, fair, that was one of the rules. She had to set the table and, and help with laundry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah. she had to have purpose. But it can be as simple as I got an electronic teapot from my mom and we cook with cast iron skillets. We just always have, we're anemic. It just is what it is. So, <laughs> um, so we cook with cast iron, but it's kind of hard to scrub them. So an ease thing was getting an electric teapot. And instead of my mom scrubbing and she had already had shoulder surgery, um, I would turn that on and she'd pour the hot water in there and then come clean so easy. Mm. So a lot, so the ease side can be, it can be design. It can also just be simple things where maybe you need to kind of mechanize or, or change the way you do something. And, and that knowledge really of, of, you know, boiling water and pouring on the cast iron skillet. That's from my grandma. That's not our knowledge, but how can we adapt that knowledge so that it's much easier? A flip of of a button and five minutes later, you have boiled water in a, in a um, vase that's easy to handle. That's That's also like, you know, a hot boiling pot of water that's That's heavy. It's hard to manage. So So one of the other things that ease was, was storage. Mm. So we rearranged all the storage so that My grandmother's, her great-grandma, and my mom, her grandmother, their storage was easy to get to, not up in the attic, not in the worst location. The other thing was, originally, I had tubs that were all solid because it looks nicer. That's not easy. Because (laughs) when you have 15 Merc Christmas and you're trying to find the one thing that they want, it's difficult. So we switched all the tubs to clear tubs. Clear tubs. So you can so have it was that. easier to yeah. find what you needed to yeah, find. Yeah, you have that visual cue again as well. That's exactly right. Another ease thing would be putting labels on the outside of a dresser drawer, just like a for a child, um, for the grandma that said socks. Yeah. You know, nightgowns. And all these things, you know, it can be done at any kind of scale of price too. There's all kinds of cute ways to do things That's on right. Pinterest. And um, I think the, the last thing that I wanted to mention as well is that um, for great-grandma, we would, you know, lay out one outfit for her. I know we talked about the pajamas, but we would have one outfit in her closet mm-hmm. so that she could wake up 
get herself dressed. That's right. And she didn't have to ask any questions. She knew, you know, she wasn't um, wearing things that maybe didn't actually go together because she's a little bit confused. Um, so all of that ease as well just increases people's independence right. and dignity. Right. Like I always say when you reduce somebody's choices, you increase their freedom. Yeah. And that kind of doesn't make sense. Yeah. But it allows them to actually then make the right choices and feel more um, independent and that they have autonomy. So you don't want to have a million choices when you're confused. And the analogy that I always give is that, you know, if you're driving a car in a place you've never been before, you don't have GPS and you're maybe in LA and there's eight lanes on the highway and you have to get off you're nervous and you're trying to figure out which lane you need to get into, how you're not going to get killed, how fast you can move. But if you're on a country road mm -hmm. and there's only one exit and you see a sign way up ahead, it's pretty easy. And mm -hmm. you can be a lot more independent, a lot less stressed and a better driver because you're not placing yourself in a stressful situation. Yeah. And all of these different ideas. So today we've talked about the love method, mm -hmm. light, optimize, visualize, and ease. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've learned basically that you can implement these things in your house, mm -hmm. in your parents' home, wherever, in your loved one's home to enable people to be more free and to remain independent, but also be more safe. I mean, that seems I think pretty it's a no-brainer. Yeah. And, and you have to think that, you know, Good design is good for everyone. I know I'm an interior designer by training, but this is social design. This is industrial design. It's interior design. It's technology. Mm -hmm. It's everything. So it's, it's more about a methodology. And that's why I call it the love method is how do we look at all these things very easily, light, optimize, visual and ease and make things better. Yeah. And so how can you, you know, just make the space work for you? And mm -hmm. it all it takes is these just small, simple changes. So what's one thing that our listeners can do today to have a better tomorrow? Mm -hmm. You want me to tell them or you guys are supposed to figure it out on your own? <laughs> Go ahead and tell them. Uh, so one thing I think that, you know, if I was going to start off, I would look at your surroundings and really do an audit. I would listen and watch. Um, you're going to hear things that are repetitive, like it's irritating to get in and out of my car. Or you're going to see somebody maybe stumble or shuffle, you know, getting out of a certain type of chair, maybe because it doesn't have arms. And yet you could change it out to an armchair and they'd easily be able to do it. They might be moving a little slower because there's not enough light. So, you know, be cognizant of what's going on and ask some questions. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you for listening today and have a better tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, help us to share it with family and friends whom you think will benefit. If you value our content, give it five stars, please. And let's stay in touch. Follow us across all our social media and let us know your story so we can best serve you. Until then, keep loving each other. We'll see you in the next episode.